Okay. All right. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yes, ma'am. She's still taking nourishment, so that's a good sign. All right. Well, let's let's go, to Lord, in prayer. Father God, we thank you. We're we thank you for all the goodness of who you are. And and God, there's a lot going on in our in our church, in our lives, in our society. But God, we just take a moment to say thank you, and we rest in you. And uh, and Father, we we come before you on behalf of of students that are moving from uh, remote learning back to campus. We pray that you would uh, protect them and and encourage them as they they go and and learn. Father, we pray that that you would uh, just give us wisdom with with all that's going on with with this virus and and then also just the interaction with people and um, help us to know you. Uh, we pray for Laura with her, her family as, as they go to uh, the Dallas area. We pray that you would give them safety as they drive and, and thank you that the weather's supposed to be good tomorrow. And we pray that you would just protect them as they drive. And, and we pray for the appointment with the doctors. And, and uh, we pray for Cadence and, and all his needs, physical needs. We pray that you would bless him. And may his family know you in a very special way because of all the things that are going on. And Father, we pray for our Reggie's aunt. We pray that you would bless her. Thank you for the report. God, we know that during these days it's it's difficult, and so we, we ask that you would uh, just provide comfort and peace. Be with her uncle as he takes care of his wife. And uh, God, we thank you because we know that you are ever-present. And... Um, and God, that's that's special to know that the the creator of all the universe is present. Father, we praise you and we thank you for that. God, we pray now for our church. We pray that that we would we would be, we would worship. Be, serve all that you desire in a way that people would know who you are because of what's going on here. Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me to Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11.
Acts chapter 11. We, we're walking through the, the book of Acts. We, we're actually going a little faster than I thought we would, but, but maybe not as fast as you hope we were. But as we're going through the book of Acts, we, we have seen Peter sharing the gospel and people coming to know Christ as, as, that are Gentiles. He broke all the mores of, of the Jew the, uh, as, as he invited them in and ate with them and he, he played host to a group of Gentiles. And then, and then he went to Cornelius' house and shared the gospel with them, preached, stayed with them, stayed in Caesarea for several days. Now while he's in Caesarea, the word got to Jerusalem. You know, we think word travels today. I mean, we have social media, and word travels remarkably fast today. But, but think about in, in uh, 40 A.D., about that, 45 A.D., Peter's in a Gentile town, and before he can leave that town and travel back to Jerusalem, the rumor mill has beat him there. All right? And they know everything that he's been doing in the ungodly environment of Gentiles. No questions being asked, just accusations. Isn't that about right? We hear about a Christian being somewhere that we think they shouldn't be. We start all kinds of stuff. We don't ask questions. We just start making statements. We start trying to figure out why are they there, what are they doing, and what Christian laws are they breaking? And that's what Peter is facing. As he has, has been a part of a revival, and he's going back to the church. Now, you know, there's things that take place that we, sometimes we understand, sometimes we don't. But we need to find out the truth before we start making accusations. So this is what happens. We're in Acts chapter 11, and this is what happens with Peter. Now the apostles and the brethren who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those who were circumcised took issue with him. The words took issue with him means that they began to argue with him, contend with him, make a major issue, confronted him in a very negative way. You were with Gentiles. Now, 
they were okay with the Jew, the Gentiles coming to church in Jerusalem. They weren't okay with the Gentiles getting saved in their own town. They were okay with the Gentiles coming to church at the temple because they were still worshiping in the temple. That was their that was their place of worship. They weren't okay with that changing and it going to their own places. And so that's they they took issue. And they said, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. Oh my goodness. What did the what did the Jewish leaders have the biggest complaint with Jesus about? about while he was here eating with tax collectors and prostitutes eating with someone means that you're fellowship with them the most intimate time that you can have with someone is outside of being married okay is sitting at a table Watching them chew their food. What they like and what they don't like. How they separate their food, if, if it touches or not touch. Okay? I was at, I was at a facility the other day, and, and, uh, and they, they always put in, 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 the, in the assistant livings, they usually put the desserts out on the table in, in this this man, he was eating his dessert. They hadn't brought his food to him yet. He was eating his dessert. And I, I asked him, he said, I just want to make sure I had room for it. You know, I know a little bit more about this man now. He likes sweets. But you, you see, you understand that, that eating with someone is, is, you know, that's what we're missing at our church. First Sunday I was here, we had a meal. <laughs> we have a couple, but not many. Not my fault, Michelle, not my fault. But you see, the intimacy of, of eating together, you build fellowship with one another, you get to know each other, you're, you're in the home with each other or whatever. And, and, and he is being accused of eating with people that aren't like him. Now, remember later on in his, in his ministry, in Peter's ministry, he gets caught up in this circumcised versus uncircumcised and and he turns his back on the Gentiles and Paul has to contend with him. Y'all remember that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he calls him out. Gets all over him. Okay? And I see Peter as this big old husky fisherman. And Paul, tradition says that Paul was, was not so much of a big man. Uh, he, he was scholarly. Uh, not, you know, short, short, fat, and bald is 
is the way I've read it. Okay? And uh, so, and Peter was this big, husky kind of guy. That's, that's my vision of it. Now, I don't know if Paul was fat. He walked everywhere. Okay? Uh, so, and he got beat a lot. So maybe he wasn't. He, he said he was content with whatever he had, if he had a lot or if he didn't have anything. So, I don't know. They, they make Paul out in the movies as being this muscular kind of guy, but he, he wasn't. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. There weren't, there weren't iPhones back then taking pictures of everybody, right? But Peter, Peter, he begins, verse 4, he begins explaining to, the, to them in orderly sequence. Now, he doesn't argue back. Someone accuses us of something, we immediately take defense, don't we? And it usually comes out argumentatively. But Peter doesn't do that. Look at what he says. He just starts telling a story. I was in the city of Joppa praying. And in a trance I saw in a vision an object coming down from like a great sheet lowered by four corners from the sky and in, it came right down to me and when I saw it I fixed my gaze on it and was observing it I saw the four footed animals of the earth and the wild beasts and crawling creatures and the birds of the, of the air now on there you have mammals you have amphibians you have snakes and you have birds You might have insects, crawling creatures. Okay? So you have it all. And he said, I heard a voice saying to me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. We've talked about that. And he says, by no means, that Lord, for nothing unholy and unclean has ever entered my mouth, but a voice from heaven answered a second time, what God has cleansed no longer consider unholy. This happened three times, and everything was drawn back up into the sky. Behold, at that moment, three men appeared at the, at the house in which we were staying, having been sent to me from Caesarea. The Spirit told me to go with them without misgivings. These six brethren also went with me and entered the man's house. And he reported to us how he had seen an angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and have Simon, who is called Peter, brought here. And they will speak words to you by which you will be saved in you and all your household. And as he began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as he did upon us at the beginning. And I remember the word of the Lord, how he used to say, John baptized with water and you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And therefore, if God gave to them the same gift as he gave to us, also having believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to say I could stand it in God's way? When they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God, saying, Well, then, God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. So, he just tells his testimony. This is what happened. He includes, remember, he took six people with him. He took six Jews with him. And they were all there present. 
It's not just Peter's story. Now they've included six other people. So it's it's him and, and six others, so there's seven people testifying the same thing. And then he explained to them, now, now remember, previously, whenever Peter, uh, the people at Samaria, whenever they were got saved, the apostles laid their hands on them and prayed over them, and then they began to speak in tongues. They received the Holy Spirit and stuck, spoke in tongues. This household, their experience was just like the apostles' experience in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. They believed, they heard and believed, and the Spirit fell on them with no provocation. Nothing else took place. So this was this was an unusual event. It doesn't happen. It you know it well it it happens this way. The moment you ex- accept Christ, the Holy Spirit resides in you. But this was to prove to the gent- the Jews that their salvation is equal to ours. Their salvation is is God brought exactly the same way we experience the Holy Spirit. And then Peter quoted uh, Jesus right before the ascension whenever he he was, they were told that John baptized with water but you'll be baptized in the the power of the Spirit. So, So he uses the word of God, he uses his testimony, and he uses the testimony of other people around him in order to answer their questions. He doesn't argue with them. He just shares what happens. And because of that, they quieted down, and they said, well, I guess the Gentiles are saved. And they got kind of excited for a moment. But now these same group of Jews, we've already mentioned the, the problems that Peter has later on, the same group of Jews gives Paul the fits, his entire ministry, are the ones that pull Peter back into, you have to be circumcised. They're the ones that create the Jewish, Jewish council. In, John, in Acts chapter 15 that we'll look at here in a couple of weeks, several weeks, I guess. And, and they're trying to get everybody that's saved to follow the Jewish tradition. They don't want to give up their tradition. They want to bring people in, but it has to fit into their box. Folks, I, I've made this statement. I'll make it a many more times I'm sure God doesn't fit in anybody's box we all have boxes God doesn't fit in boxes God is God he sits on his throne in heaven which is above the universe and he's more than we could ever imagine and he can do things that we can't imagine he can do 
And, and, and the Jews, from the very beginning, the Jewish leaders were doing their best to make Christians, the new believers, follow the traditions of the church. But God was working outside of that. So let's look. Let's look at this new church that, that it moves from Caesarea and it moves to the city of Antioch. Now Antioch is the third largest city in the Roman Empire. Antioch is, is a place that uh, has commerce coming in and out. It's, it's at a, a crossroads, if you will, going from Europe to Asia. And, and uh, it has rivers. Antioch is a metropolitan area. It's a very educated area. Um, but it's a very pagan area. The goddess Daphne is worshipped in, in Antioch. God bless you. And the worship of Antioch is extremely immoral. I mean, the worship of Daphne is extremely immoral. We have, we have PGers in here, so I'll, I'll keep it PG. But you can understand with that statement how immoral the city was. Okay? And the church is moving to Antioch in the midst of this pagan city. Some people refer to Antioch as like being our New York, New York City. Oh, uh, I would I would probably put it more in lines of our New Orleans or our Las Vegas. But it, it, it's, a, it's a very pagan place. Very wealthy place, though, where New Orleans is not wealthy. New York City is in place. So, so let's look. And let's look at what takes place in this, the last part of chapter um, chapter 11. So then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except to the Jews alone. So, so these were Jews that were scattered. They were talking to other Jews. You still have a separation, but there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. So, so Gentiles are starting to hear the gospel and they're, they're accepting Christ. And the hand of the Lord was with them and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. And the news about them reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. So, so what's happening is that people are, are, are sharing the gospel with the Jews. They, they come to know Christ. They're in that region. But then there are other people that, that are reaching beyond the borders of the Jews and reaching out and, and sharing the gospel with the Gentiles. 
And the Gentiles are coming to know Christ, and their numbers are growing. And as their numbers grow, they need a seasoned minister, a seasoned teacher, a seasoned discipler to come and help them with their church. Because you could have all kinds of things come out of, of new churches with, with baby Christians teaching baby theology. And so this, this, the church, the Jerusalem council, or the people in Jerusalem, they sent Barnabas. Now, we're not going to turn there. We're not going to take the time, but we'll turn. Uh, you can go back and remember. Barnabas is a Jew, but he's from Cyprus. Cyprus is an island just west of Antioch. So they would think he might even know some of the people that lived in Antioch. All right, he would look, talk, have have some of the similar uh, characteristics, maybe the same accent. Who knows? What was Barnabas's? Uh, what does his name mean? Son of encouragement. You have people that are coming out of a very simple lifestyle, coming to know Christ. You don't need people that are pharisaical to come in and, and beat them over the head with a scroll. You need an encourager to come in and help them and walk beside them. So God uses a man and the wisdom to, to for him to be sent that's going to go and help. Now, Remember who, who was the first person he really helped? Saul, who becomes the Apostle Paul. But Saul, Saul was the, the man who, the Pharisee that was going around killing people for the name of Judaism in the name of God. Now the son of encouragement walked up to him and said, Hey, brother. We're going to be best friends. <laughs> I'm going to teach you what the Bible said, what scrolls mean. I'm going to show you the love of God and disciple you and help you as you walk along so that you will be who God wants you to be. And he walked with Paul or Saul at that time. He encouraged him. Now, now if he had to the ability to reach a man that had the, the gumption to go and kill people, don't you think that he could go and help people that, that's coming out of a sinful lifestyle and love them and show them and teach them and encourage them and, and not be critical but, but rather encouraging through? See, we all have a different role. We all have a different role. Everybody is called to do something 
in order to to be who God wants you to be. Some of us fit in different places. I've been saying that for years. I was talking to a pastor the other day. He is a pastor's pastor. He connects with people. Buddy, he's a pastor's pastor. His, his whole ministry is based on his relationship with people. You know? And I, 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 get, I get with him because I, I like to, I, I'm hoping some of that will rub off on me. Because my emphasis has always been Scripture. Teaching Scripture. And being appropriate with teaching Scripture. And this is a confession, folks. I lose sight of people with Scripture in my mind. Okay? That's a confession. And that's a weakness that I have. And he doesn't see that as a weakness. He wants, to, he wants me to rub off on him. That I can teach him how to teach better. And I want him to help me to connect with people better. And, and we're sharpening each other. Okay? But we're different. We're all different. We all have different ministries. And, and Barnabas was sent there to, to help minister to people in a way that, that will encourage them. And not someone that would go and browbeat them with the do's and don'ts. So whenever he gets there, and we'll, I'll, I'll sum up the rest of it. Whenever he gets there, there is a... He is overwhelmed with the task at hand. And so what he does is he goes and he looks for Saul. And he goes to Tarsus because Tar- Saul left Jerusalem. He was run out of Jerusalem and he went home. And he went to Tarsus. And, and whenever he was in Tarsus, this is seven years has gone by, according to, to historians. And, and during that seven years, more than likely, that's whenever Saul was doing work in Sicily, uh, Sicilia, or however you say it, Sicily maybe, uh, and, and, and some of those other areas, Cyprus, and, and he started some churches in those areas, according to some of his letters in Galatians, Galatians and and First uh, Corinthians, he talks about this, these churches in Cyprus that he was he was a part of, and he's and he's so he's been active, sharing sharing and working from his hometown in Tarsus, and and the word that he looked for means that he searched with diligence. He had to work hard to find him. He wasn't he, he didn't have the white pages. He didn't have Google. He didn't have Find My Phone app. He had to go look for him. And he finally found him. When he found him, he said, I have a job for you. Because here's what he needed. He needed someone that was steeped in Scripture to come and teach doctrine, theology, while he did the encouraging. Where do we get most of our doctrine from in the New Testament? The 
writings of Paul. Why? Because he was a Pharisee of all Pharisees. He knew Scripture. He knew the Old Testament Scripture better than anybody. And God saved him out of that, out of of being a Pharisee and made him a, a believer and a leader in the church. But he used his knowledge of the Old Testament, used his knowledge of Scripture, and used his knowledge of doctrine to teach people. So now you have an encourager and you have a teacher put together to build the church in Antioch. And they worked together and the church flourished. As as uh, verses twenty seven through thirty, uh, there's there's a, a prophet that comes and talks about a famine that's coming, and and there's there's uh, a contribution that's taken up taken up, and they they send it to Jerusalem uh, in charge of Barnabas and Saul to the elders, and and uh, and it's Barnabas and Saul right now. And it moves from Barnabas and Saul. Speaking of amphibians, we got one crawling around. Snake guy. He's a, he's just a lizard. He's not a snake. You want him? That that's fine. That's fine. He he's not going to hurt anything. Oh my goodness, he's not going to hurt anything. He's not poisonous. He's not poisonous. Oh my goodness. He He needs to... But listen, listen to me. Oh, don't kill him. Okay. All right. Well, now that we've had our entertainment for the night, and glad we were at a stopping spot. But uh, yes. Day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost was was uh the Pentecost was a a festival. That, that the Jews celebrated uh, around the Passover, which, uh, uh, and we'll get there one day, but, but, but on that day, uh, the, the, the apostles, the disciples were up in the upper room, and the Holy Spirit came out of heaven uh, and landed on them. Uh, the Bible talks about it in Acts chapter 2. talks about that there was uh, a tire of, Tongues of fire that land that were on their head, and they began to speak in tongues. And the tongues were languages that everybody, as they were speaking, that all the all the crowds around them heard their the gospel being preached in their own language. Uh, and that's the day of Pentecost. Whenever the the there was a 
the sound of a rushing wind, the flames of, of fire came down and landed on the twelve apostles' heads, and they began to speak in tongues, and, and that's the, the reference to the day of Pentecost. Okay? Uh, and, and, uh, and that's whenever they were baptized, quote-unquote, baptized by, with the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and ever since then, if you become a Christian, whenever, the moment you say, yes, Lord, the Holy Spirit baptizes you. you. You receive the Holy Spirit in your life. And He never leaves. Never leaves. And, and we have the power. Now, we don't, we don't speak in tongues uh, in, that, in that way. Any long, I mean, I know some people that have. Uh, a friend of mine was preaching in Korea, and his interpreter told him he couldn't. He couldn't speak. He, he could not. He could not share the gospel. He could not interpret the gospel. And so he, he started sharing the gospel, and the interpreter stopped. And whenever he finished, he he gave the invitation, and and he and the interpreter had stopped speaking. And people started coming up the aisle, and he said, "What are you, you know?" The interpreter said they heard every word that you said in their language. Spanish, yeah. That's see, and so, and that's what I believe the gift of tongues is. Okay, that's what I believe about the gift of tongues, and, and that's the day of Pentecost comes. So, uh, and, and I know some other people that have had those experiences. I have not, but I haven't been in other countries that didn't speak my language. To real, I mean, you know, very much. So, anyway, all right. Next week we're going to see the the persecution of the church intensify. Uh and we're going to move. We got one more chapter with Peter as as the head of of the book of Acts, the leader of the book of Acts. And then we're going to move. Uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll be moving to where Paul becomes the center center focus of the book of Acts. So it's fixing to move out of Jerusalem and move to Antioch and and, and the life of Paul. So. Uh, there we go. All right. Thank y'all for being here tonight, and uh, thank you for taking care of our gecko problem. I just hope he wakes up. Fifteen minutes or less, right? You threw him down. So.